no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the 40 Yard Switch, episode 116. As always, Jasper Woodsock. Woodsock? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, I've been going so well with the intros <laughs> for the past few weeks. Anyway, Jasper Woodcock, <laughs> alongside right, Wilbur Kudelix. What? <laughs> Check the notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Um, Jasper Woodcock alongside Wilbur Kudelukes. Uh What a week it has been in the Premier League and indeed the Champions League since we last recorded. But we will start with none other than the biggest story coming out of the weekend. Evan to be Bournemouth. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal beat Man City. Sorry, Wilbur. Um, no, that's all right. It's a bigger story. Yeah. Uh, three... No, one nil. You guys won three nil. We beat them one nil. Uh, a great, incredible achievement because we beat them for the first time in the league since twenty fifteen. Yeah, uh, but not the best game. Has to be Apparently, said. Barack Obama was still in, was still president of the United States. Yeah. when uh, yeah. <laughs> when Arsenal, Let, me <laughs> Let me be clear. Let me be clear. Yeah. Like, by by most accounts, it's uh, both teams didn't play that well. No, is that that, so? That's your assessment of it as well. Yeah, first twenty five, we were shocking, um, and then got a got a little bit of a foothold into the game in the towards the end of the first half. But like, City didn't do a whole lot that wasn't self inflicted by us. And then second half, I thought we just defended really well, but we didn't actually have to do much. Um, and then sort of got a goal out of nothing in the last few minutes. Mm. It seems, yeah, it seems like the um, introduction of Gabriel Martinelli was like quite a big thing for for Trossard, who wasn't having much effect. Um, yeah, it's it it is definitely a big achievement, and like obviously huge for Arteta to finally get a win against City in the league. Um, and yeah, obviously it's it's too early probably to be talking about the the, the title, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it could be a telling thing because last last year it was how many points off? Five, were you? five points, and, and that's lost the, that, that's the two. Yeah, that's the league double. So yeah, don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's just the biggest thing from all of it is whether or not we go to the Etihad and get a result is beside the point. But it's just the fact that we've done it now. Yeah, and especially with this new like the last time we beat City outside of the Community Shield, but in a fixture that means something. In any competition, yeah. was the FA Cup uh, into yeah. semi final back when we still had Alba and all of those guys in the middle of the lockdowns. That's yeah. a completely different team to now. Mm. Uh, so this new younger team definitely needed that mentality shift of okay, we can beat these guys. Yes, they didn't have De Bruyne. Yes, they didn't have Rodri. Yes, Gundogan's gone in the summer, but uh, you know we still that's still a very good team they put out and, yeah. we, and we beat them. Yeah, hundred percent. And like yeah. You rode your luck at times, like the the Raya one that could have easily gone in off Alvarez, and you know the goal to an extent is a pretty lucky deflection. But yeah, it's 
it's it's hard to say that you guys didn't deserve it though i reckon yeah yeah i think for the way we defended more than the way we went forward like you see the stats come out about uh erling Haaland's 0.00 expected goals uh we're the only team that's been able to keep him to that this season in the community shield and in this game mm. i know i just specified the lack of relevance of the community shield but alas uh and also their lowest shots uh, efforts uh, total uh, this season or, or in quite a few years um, mm. so yeah I think credit hats off has to go to William Saliba Gabriel Ben White Zinchenko and Declan Rice because yeah. it's that quintet of uh, defensive I don't know but def- defense yeah <laughs> uh, was was imp- so impressive mm. yeah I feel like you know you've You've got to be lucky, in a sense, to to get through a ninety minutes against City and not concede. But like you said, in terms of like the the attempts on goal, that they did everything possible to kind of make make that happen. Mm. And yeah, it's 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 it is huge. It I is think huge. The, the the more telling thing for me, like like as like the, obviously the biggest thing is that we've beat City for the first time in eight years. Mm. But the that's the biggest thing from an Arsenal perspective. The biggest thing from a City perspective is that's three domestic games in a row yeah, yeah. with no Rodri in the team and they've lost all three and, I mean, haven't looked that good in losing all three either and lost them, yeah, like lost Newcastle 1-0 in the League Cup, then lost against Wolves, then lost against us. Hmm. Yes, they had the win in midweek in the Champions League. Funnily enough, Rodri was back for that game and it's like, it may well be that Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri are as, are as important to the City team as each other, but they've been able to win without Kevin De Bruyne while Rodri's been in the team. Yeah. And as soon as he goes out, that midfield just looks nowhere near as threatening. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that earlier, whether it's like, whether it's, you know, you've lost Rodri, like, so it's whether you, like one of them's more important or whether it's like a cumulative effect. And it's mm. probably more likely to be a cumulative effect yeah, if you don't have De Bruyne because they were less potent going forward to the stats showed. And obviously they've had a lots, of, lots of trouble replacing Rodri. Like yeah. Kovacic looks shaky. He probably should have been sent off. He looked very shaky against Wolves. I didn't see much Rico of Rico Lewis was up, like but... tidy but had no offensive like threat. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's also he's 18. Mateus Nunes has been all right, but you know, again, it's 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 what I mean. It's like if you go a step further than not having Rodri and not having Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, you go to not having Kevin uh, Ilkay Gundogan, yeah. So the the starting midfield that Who they was so key that they him. had against us, yeah, like you said, so key that they had against us in the in both games in the league last season was those three, and now you look at Kovacic, Rico Lewis, and. Foden or Kovacic the midfield trios that they've tried in the games that Rodri's been suspended has been a combination of Kovacic Rico Lewis Mateus Nunes Calvin Phillips Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden yeah and like as good as some of those players are that's a significant drop off from Ilkay Gundogan Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri yeah and then you look at the other side of it like so so who started for Arsenal was Rice Rice party uh, came on. Rice, Jorginho, and uh, Erdogan. Yeah. So the midfield that and then we Arsenal subbed, finished yeah, with it was party. Rice, party, and Odegaard yeah. is is significantly better mm-hmm. than the midfield that City finished with. Yeah, I think also like it'll be interesting to see how much Arteta plays 
the Rice party, Odegaard midfield, because it's potentially seen as too defensive, but it's also rock solid. So Yeah. But yeah, with City, I think it's a cumulative effect of not having chipping off, sort of chipping away, you lose one, you lose another, and then you finally lose the third. But I also think Rodri... I, I would hazard to say he's the most important City player. Yeah. Like, I think, as good as Kevin De Bruyne is, I think Rodri keeps things ticking offensively with, like, stuff that we've seen, how he, like, moves off the ball and yeah, how he yeah. creates space for others. But also, he's, his contributions on both sides of the ball. Like, defensively, he's so good. In build-up play, he's so good. And then even offensively, he's, like, to start Scores the season, goals. he's chipped in with goals. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I think on, on, on Arsenal's like that midfield being like too defensive. I reckon, I don't think it is because I feel like Partey, you know, it does become that deepest line midfielder. But De- like Rice has lots of different like aspects to his game, like especially yeah. going forward. And like it's even been spoken about that he's actually not that good at receiving the ball deep. He's actually better at kind of receiving a bit further forward and, and doing that. And it's been spoken about how West Ham have had to like, you know, the the reemergence of Socek to cover the defensive part of Rice's game, and then Paqueta ste- ste- stepping up in the like the further forward bit. So they've had like different players who do different things all come in to kind of replace Rice. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I reckon that's an incredible midfield. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, an incredible win, an incredible feeling to go into the international break. And uh, sim- a similar feeling that you might be feeling because uh, your boys, Everton, 3-0, Bournemouth. We, like, we both picked that they would win, but not as comfortably as they did in the end. It could, yeah. have, been, it could have been five or six. Yeah. Yeah, I think obviously Bournemouth shooting himself in the foot um, kind of helped us. And I feel like that first one going in, um, which was a bit of a gift, like potentially just got like the... Snowballing a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, just the, the fact that we hadn't really scored at, at Goodison. Have, have we, I don't think we had scored. Yeah, no. we hadn't scored at Goodison so far this season. So that's a good way to get it kind of off off your back. And, and the Harrison the goal. Is, a bit. Yeah, the Harrison goal is just ridiculous. And I think he is going to be very important for us this season. Um, hopefully he can stay fit. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a good one to, like a good three points to get. I think still, if like go back a couple of weeks, we still would have wanted to get at least four points from the from the Luton and Bournemouth games, and yeah, I do wonder whether we'll look back to the start of this season and like Rue kind of miss points because it was a relatively easy set of set of games, hmm. and we've definitely spoken about how you know they've underperformed XG and expected points, but yeah, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But there's gonna, still lots of work to be done. Like, I agree relatively easy set of games and you've underperformed XG and X and XP. Um, but we love stats. Yeah. <laughs> advanced metrics. Uh, but I, what I will say is I think this could also like, maybe not against the top teams. Like you've got the Merseyside Derby in two weeks, but like the fact that you've been playing so well in, and creating so many chances to have your XG is where it is almost three goals a game to finally have a game where you meet that XG spec, you know, that meet that expected goals mark could be a catalyst of, okay, the goals are starting to go in now and you start to see them go in more and more frequently Mm. because I think for me, and I've said this to you in the past, 
outside of the Villa and the Arsenal game, there's not a game this season that Everton have played where I've thought they're where I haven't thought they're really unlucky not to get three or at least one point mm. in that game. Yeah. And like, yes, you can say, yeah, but it's all well and good. You're deserving to get the points, but if you don't get them, you don't get them. That's very well and good. But I think this is a good... If the performances were abject and you guys were where you are, then I'd be worried. But the performances have been good in almost every game this season and been good in the in the cup competitions as well. It beat Villa, right? Like, yeah. Uh, uh, and so you've, st- you've, st- still got, you're still running in the cups. You're, you've had players return from injury. And now you're you're close to your strongest. Uh, in fact, you might even be at your strongest starting eleven with all available players, and you're finally now starting to see the results uh, roll in. Yeah, I think, like you said, if you can keep all that that group of players fit, so, you, so to a point where you can be taking uh, any either of the wing players off for Dan Juma, you can be taking any of the midfield players off for Idris Sagana, you can be taking DCL off for Beto. Yeah, you've now got pl- you've, uh, the ability to rotate the squad enough to keep everyone fit with only minimal games to play with outside of, you know, cup competitions. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a good foundation to be building up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely the most excited by Jack Harrison and I think Beto, you know, hasn't scored in the Premier League, but yet, but um, yeah, I, he, he's the best kind of deputy for DCL that we've had for, for a while. So yeah, I came in Mopay as it's night and day. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, good yeah. signs. Everton on the up. We'd love to see it. We're back. <laughs> it's like that meme. It's like the the urge to say we're we're back thirty minutes after saying it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do think I do think this is signs of things to come for Everton. But we'll we'll wait and see. Like we said, bring on the Merseyside derby. Merseyside derby in two weeks, which we'll be previewing in next week's episode. So look out for that. But uh, anyway, speaking of teams that are back, West Ham, they they're looking like they're back. After a torrid league season, I know they won the, the Conference League last season, but after a torrid league season last season where they finished 14th, which is the lowest they've finished in the last five years, I'm almost certain. Mm. Um, they're now 7th. They've got wins against Chelsea, got wins against Brighton, took a point off Newcastle this week. They're looking good. They've, they've only lost two games this season, to City and to Liverpool. And two wins in the Europa League. And two wins in the Europa League as well. Where Jared other teams Bowen around them struggled. A, a seven-year contract. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Bowen, Bowen, twenty thirty. Um, yeah, they and, do look very good. And the money that they reinvested from the uh, and you just touched on it before about readjusting to Rice's departure. The money they spent, they got from the Rice deal. They've invested really well in Edson Alvarez, James Ward-Prowse, and Mahmoud Kudus. The first two I said have been regular starters from the day dot, and Kudus in his limited outing so far since he only recently signed has looked very good mm. yeah he, he could be a bit of a gem and yeah I think like Suchek has played a lot better this season than he did at all last season which is obviously huge um, when you lose someone like Declan Rice and it's just crazy because I mean Suchek and actually Sufal for that matter were in like you know team of the season contention I think it was the year before last mm. Um, so it's it's good to see them back and playing well. And even players like Antonio, he had a terrible year last year, and he's yeah. He's put and remember he was on off. fire. Remember when he did the thing with the, the cut out of himself? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great for Moyes that like 
Because I think there, there, there was talk at the end of last season whether like they, they might like move on to someone else, yeah. given, given how bad they did in the league, but he's kind of saved a little bit by the Conference League win. Um, and yeah, he, he's proved that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires from football as, as West Ham manager. I, I can see him being there for years. Yeah. Like, like I, he's like, a good fit. They've just got a good foundation for continued success. Yeah. Like, their, their one down year they had, they had their best ever achievement in the European competition. Like, mm. And now they're seemingly back to being a top eight, top six fringe club. Yeah. I yeah. don't quite uh, partake to the notion that they're going to be finishing gonna in the be top, in four. top four. Yeah. <laughs> that some West Ham fans uh, have been saying but uh, they're, they're yeah they're, they're thereabouts as to where they were two seasons ago mm. yeah it's, it's it's definitely another one because like the European competition was kind of like their, their downfall a, a little bit in terms of the um, their performance in the Premier League so it'll be interesting to see how they go if you know if they continue how that, their form in the Europa League they'll be going deep so it'll be interesting to see how that affects it um because, yeah, I don't think their squad's particularly um, deep in terms of talent. I think offensively, it's a little bit deeper than it was last season. Defensively, I don't know. Yeah, you've got, what, Kurt Zuma, Aguerd, and... Soufal. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, for centre-backs. Yeah, and then you've got Soufal and Timo Kera. He's a centre-back slash right-back. Yeah. And then, who plays that? Cresswell? Or is it someone else? Exactly, but like yeah. either way, it's not like the, the defense doesn't wow me. But like the the style they play with, they sit back, a lot of men behind the ball, and still got the pressure. Then counter, it mm. works. You don't have to have an amazing set of defenders for that to work. Yeah, but yeah. So if any of them get injured, I do wonder a little bit. But for now, yeah, yeah. It, it it's very interesting with the rice thing because yeah. Bringing in James Ward-Prowse that they get something that they didn't really have in Rice in terms of like the set-piece delivery. Paquette has been amazing. Reemerges of Suchek. And then, who's the other guy they got in midfield? Edson Alvarez? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, been, he's been another solid, like, deeper-lying player. Yeah, allowing decent. The, allowing yeah. the likes of Ward-Prowse and Paquetta to, like, really push forward. and Yeah. Um, correct, because Ward-Prowse has chipped in with a few goals as well. Um, yeah, mm. He's been, been a revelation. Yeah. Ben playing and playing for a club and at a level that we knew he could play for. He just he was sort of stuck at Southampton for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, the start he's had in the Premier League shows that like indicates that he can like kick on it and be better than he was. Yeah, at, which at which sort of beggars belief as to why he hasn't been picked for the England team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because sure. you've got like we mentioned before Calvin Phillips, who even when he's been given a chance at City recently with Rodri's absence, has not impressed. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's a similar thing with Harry Maguire. Like those two just get picked based on how they perform for England, which makes no sense. Is they're not really like performing that greatly for England e- anymore either. Um, but yeah, it's James Ward Prowse stiff to not get picked. But as all you can do is keep performing, I suppose. Just quickly, so the midfield is chosen for England: Trent, Jude Bellingham, no issues there. Yeah, Conor Gallagher, <laughs> Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, and Declan Rice. Like. Yeah, those la- those last three before Declan Rice, uh, Conor Gallagher as well has been playing regularly, but has not been playing yeah. well. No, not at all. Like he's outshone so much by Moises Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez in that midfield. It's not funny. Like, mm. and then Jordan Henderson is playing, you know, not in a very competitive league. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure to say. before the, all the like I know before I don't know what it's ranked now, but before all the signings the Saudi league received this year, it was ranked as like the fortieth worst league in the fortieth best league in the world. So. Mm. 
That's as I told you really to know, really. Yeah, so he, he's writing the kind of legacy, like, I don't know, I suppose legacy sort of thing, you'd have to say. And then, yeah, we spoke about Calvin Phillips already. I mean, even Trent, you know, like... Yeah, like, Trent worked in midfield against Malta, but yeah, how's that going to go, even against a team like the Socceroos? Mm. Yeah. And you'd probably have to say that Ward-Prowse's set pieces are better than Trent's as well. Ward-Prowse is the best set piece taker that England have by... Yeah. By, by anyway, we won't go into England selection. Yes, but West Ham. Um, I'm not going to say it's nice to see them back because I don't really feel strongly about West Ham. But I, I think it's good for football that they're back. Yeah, I think in the past on the podcast I've said I don't like them that much. I'm liking them a bit more this season. Yeah, I don't like that they made an animal abuse of their captain. But yeah, yeah, that's my sort of personal bias a little bit. But like, like I said, it's good for it's good for football that a club as big as West Ham are, are doing well. Mm. Yeah, because they are like they fill, they fill a sixty thousand capacity stadium every every home game. So that's the other thing I was going to say. The London Stadium is like you know after some time starting to feel like atmospherically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Starting to feel <clears throat> yeah like a bit more of a home stadium. I think yeah when that goal I think against Liverpool. Did they beat? Did they they score against Liverpool? Yeah, they lot. They ended up losing. Yeah, they, they scored though. But I think they might have scored the Owen opener scored and equalizer. Di- diving header, diving yeah. header. The atmosphere when that went. I think was winning crazy. a European Cup always helps with the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Kind of adding a bit of history to the ground. Mm. Yep. Yes. All right. So we've talked about two teams that are on the up, and so might as well talk about a third. Uh, Chelsea after a. Results-wise, tumultuous starts to the season are finally showing, potentially starting to show, bear the fruits of what their performances have been showing mm. in the first opening eight rounds of the Premier League. Uh, last two weeks, 2-0 win over Fulham and a 4-1 win over Burnley uh, on, the, on the weekend. Uh, seemingly finally found that, a, uh, that clinical spark in front of goal, which had been sorely lacking, um, and yeah, looking looking good. Mm. Yeah, and <clears throat> Raheem Sterling featuring obviously heavily, heavily in terms of everything good they do, and I think that has been the story f- for most of this season as well. Like th- there are a few other pieces, like Jackson looks Colwell. decent. Yeah, and Colwell looking decent, but yeah, Raheem Sterling's been at the forefront of everything good that they've done so far. And and yeah, we've spoken about it how difficult it is I think it was in the context of talking about how impressive it was that Liverpool had overhauled their whole midfield like Chelsea have overhauled their whole squad and it does seem like things are starting to come together yeah which it should to be fair when you spend that much money exactly and get a good yeah um, well, no one's gonna like go crazy them. about yeah. it because it's kind of expected that the results should turn around when you spend that much money eventually but by the same token like if we go back into advanced metrics. Yes. Uh, speaking of expected points, uh, they are third in the, in the table based on expected points. Mm. And um, let me go, go back to expected goals as well. Um, expected goals are actually, they're actually eighth, which is interesting, but expected points based on, which is obviously based on goal scoring opportunities that you both create and concede. So they've had a very good second best defensive record in the league mm. coupled with the amount of shot creation they have generated that just hasn't gone in. Yeah, it means that they're they they they're under they've underperformed 
massively where the, where you'd expect them to be based on how they've played in games. Yeah, and it's I, I don't I, it's showing signs that they're turning a corner, but we should temper our expectations a little bit because they obviously have they've had a relatively easy run of games and they're about to enter into like we said last week or the week before a very tough run of games. Mm. So starting with Arsenal straight after the international break. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's the thing about the the expected points story in particular, like you know, and and the fact that they've had a rel- like quite a good um, defensive record is it's the the run of games that they've had to start the season was mm. quite favourable, and yeah, they they should have done a lot better. Um, but yeah, things are gelling. They've got a hard run. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see how because Caicedo has been playing better in recent weeks. And obviously, Enzo Fernandez is a good midfielder. Mm. I'd be interested to see how those two match up against an Erdegaard and a Rice, or uh, those two and Conor Gallagher match up against a, an Erdegaard party and a Rice, or whatever midfield trio we decide to go for, because that is a potentially very tasty battle. And also, be interested to see how their second best defensive league, defensive record in the league, goes up against potentially if everyone's fit a Jesus Martinelli Saka frontline. Yeah. What a front line, by yeah, the way. What a front line. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, also, one thing, last thing to say about Chelsea, Raheem Sterling, as much as we've just praised him, uh, another omitty from the England squad. Hmm. He, and I've just looked at it before we recorded this episode. Uh, despite Bukayo Saka's injury, he will not be replaced by another player. They're just going to leave it as an empty spot, which right. is a bit of a slap in the face, if I'm Raheem Sterling, if I'm honest. Who are England playing? The Socceroos and someone else. Oh, are they? Yeah. Don't know who else, though. Yeah, very strange. Um, yeah. Also, James Madison being picked as a forward is mm. so weird to me, especially seeing as for, for this Spurs team, he is like not just an attacking midfielder, but he like drops deep so often. Like he's a, he's a central midfielder. Yeah. He's not a forward. But Gareth Southgate can you know do what Gareth Southgate does. I mean, well. I think the other thing about the whole selection thing and Gareth Southgate is. He's just, he's very, he can't do much apart from what he does. Do you know what I mean? One-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. yeah one-dimensional is a good way to put it. <laughs> but And I think that probably feeds into why, he, you know, he struggles to, I mean, like that part might be part of the reason yeah. why. And when, when you're someone like Ange Postacoglu, who has a, such an attractive play style, the whole notion of if plan A isn't working, just plan B is to just do a plan A better. Yeah makes sense but when you're Gareth Southgate and plan and plan A already isn't like that much of an attractive style of football if if your plan B is to also do plan A better it doesn't really hold the same weight yeah yeah true yeah yeah it's not like you're holding on to some ideal yeah 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 exactly you're like oh okay we'll set pieces and we'll slowly move the ball from side to side anywho um <laughs> We hate him. Now let's cast our minds back uh, almost a week ago now to uh, the Champions League. And uh, we both predicted uh, Newcastle to somewhat get found out a little, little bit by PSG, I think. Even though they were playing... Oh, maybe did you pick a draw? Uh, I thought I picked a draw. Maybe you picked a draw. Yeah. I picked PSG to win. I picked an but, upset, but I can't remember where. Uh, but we thought it would be closer, but PSG would probably still be a little bit too good. Boy, were we wrong. Mm. 
Uh, Newcastle come out and absolutely stun PSG, winning 4-1. Uh, and the atmosphere at St. James's Park was... Electric doesn't almost put it to justice, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost do it justice, sorry. Um, yeah, it was like they were ce- the crowd was celebrating literally every single tackle that they made, every block. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. And the players sort of like revving up the, like, you know, in particular Dan Byrne for the, um, that one at Dembele and uh, Anthony Gordon closing closing down the fullback. Yeah, and just Bruno Gimraes literally every time he yeah. the ball went out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were up for it and PSG just didn't seem that up for it at the Folded same like time. like a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was the other thing that they, they didn't seem to, they just looked a bit shocked. Um and I think to be fair, you probably would be that like the atmosphere in that stadium. I bet you half of them don't even know about Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So you, th- there was a clip um, of Anton Griezmann talking to Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe yeah. about buy- selling him. No, yeah, buying him to Newcastle that he in, was in FIFA? Anton Griezmann. No, in football Off manager. Of manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, some side note. Um, yeah, they just. Brought too much energy. And, it, and that was I basically the story. Newcastle in the group in the Champions League this 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 year could be a case of they might win every game they play away. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like every every game they play at St James's Park, though they could beat Milan there, they could beat PSG, they could beat Dortmund there. But I think they will legitimately struggle every away day. Yeah, like the away like San Siro, tough enough, and you saw how much they struggled. Uh, Dortmund, arguably even tougher place to go. And the Parc des Princes for PSG, also incredibly tough place to go. Not mm. quite as tough as the first two, but still PSG, oh, so much better at home than they are away. So it's going to be very interesting. It's, like, for Newcastle, I think it's like they are so amazingly uh, stout at home. But yeah, away from home, it's going to be very interesting. I think they will be a team that is a night and day home and away in the Champions League. Yeah. It was interesting. I think... Like when it started, like there was obviously that crazy like feeling in the stadium, and the very hard pressing by Newcastle. But at the start, it kind of felt a little bit like PSG were kind of soaking it up decently well and played mm. played through the press a few times. Um, and it, I, I was kind of thinking that Newcastle might, you know, like you can't press like that forever. Um, but I, yeah, I think it, it it did break down actually relatively early with. Um, I think Isak won the ball high and then uh, Alberon scored and then yeah obviously Dan Byrne from a second phase of a set piece later in the second half and then yeah straight away in in, at the start of the second half some pretty poor defending from PSG so yeah yeah you can't can't make too many mistakes at this level and Newcastle uh, I guess I guess PSG should already already know this but Newcastle got got sort of got away with with a little bit in the in the opening game against Milan, and we're a lot more switched on this time around. Mm. Speaking of teams that weren't switched on this time around, <laughs> Manchester United uh, looked well worth a win when they uh, off the back of two really nice Rasmus Hoyland goals and were two one up against Galatasaray, uh, albeit. The one goal they conceded was very soft, and then just completely shat the bed from about the seventieth minute onwards, mm-hmm. um, to end up losing three uh, two, and have <laughs> Casemiro sent off. Um, 
I mean, what, what more can you say, really? About yeah, United? It, it was just a shambles, and they could have copped more goals towards the end. Yeah, they missed and, a penalty. Yeah, and like sorry, Galatasaray missed a penalty, but yeah. Casemiro and Anana have just looked very shaky in all of their recent games, mm. um, including in the the build up to the Jensen goal against Brentford on the weekend. On the weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah. They just they just look shaky. They just don't look confident in defence, and I think that's kind of like the the story. And they should have closed out the game. And when you're not confident, it's hard to do that. And they didn't. And then yeah, like we said on the weekend, scraped through by the skin of Scott McTominay's teeth mm. in their game against in a game against a Brentford team that is missing so many key players. That was just literally just there set up to not lose. Yeah, played five at the back, barely had any possession. Mm. And United still managed to gift them a goal, and then almost lost, and then almost lost it had it not been for some heroics at the end of the game. And I also I maintain that if Brentford's starting goalkeeper Flecken is playing, if Brent if Brentford's uh, best centre back Ben Mee is playing, and uh, that they don't lose that game, yeah, I'm almost certain of it. Mm. Yeah, I think the the Brentford keeper for the second will probably look at that again and be like, probably yeah. should have stopped that. It's a bit yeah. of a weak hand. Not as weak as Onana's hand, but... No. Um, also missing, uh, obviously, Ivan Tony, but Kevin Sharder, who's been a revelation on the, on the wing for them this season mm-hmm. and towards the end of last season on loan. Yeah, I, I just... So I, I remember looking at the Brentford team and being like, oh, this, but there's so many players missing. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, I guess United have the same issue, but also United don't have, don't have millions upon millions of pounds of other players to rely on. Has has McTominay bought Ten Hag some extra time, or do you think it's not at that point with Ten Hag yet? Oh, I don't think it's at that point with Ten Hag. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he's earned himself a little bit more of a look into the to the team. Yeah. But also, I feel like the one game he did start against Brighton, he was woeful. Yeah. Like just like he's supposed to be this hardworking uh, midfielder, whether not a defensive midfielder, but still, whether, like, he has his offensive output. Um, but he's still supposed to be a hard-working player. And he just, when they were pressing from the front, which he wouldn't even press, there's clips upon clips of him just getting walked past by Brighton players Mm. and just walking back. So if he can add those goals to his game, but then also throughout 60 to 90 minutes, you know, put together a solid... You don't need to be a defensive midfield player to just defend properly. Yeah. Um, Then, yeah, I think he's got plenty to give that team because it seems to be a bit of a... Rotating next man up next to Casemiro between Ericsson and Rabat, McTominay, whoever mm. else they've got. I mean, but then also, at what point is Casemiro going to get dropped? Yeah. Like, that's the next thing because Casemiro at, at the moment is, you know, essentially failing Ten Hag for, for, for what he needs him to do. Yeah, he has a, like, he has a good but game for who? once every three games, and that's not good enough as the starting defensive midfield 60 million pound player that. that or, and apparently, um, until and up until the start of last season, and even including last season, many people regard him as the best defensive midfield player in the world, which is ludicrous. But that's what you see a lot of people saying. Yeah, it's difficult. I think that's gone now. He may have once been, but he's yeah, not anymore. Yeah, not even yeah, close. It's gone now. It's gone now. But yeah, who who plays there instead of? Well, Amrabat, like he's not as defensive as, as a as a um, as Casemiro. But uh, you play him and Ericsson, see if that works. But I, I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's tricky. It's very tricky. Also, I, I don't like. 
I think the, like for some reason Fernandez keeps getting pushed out wide when it, like to fit Mount into the team. I think Mount is, if anything, should be the player that gets pushed out wide. Yeah, and Fernandez needs to, to be play in, in the, the midfield role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Fernandez needs to be playing with a Casemiro and Amrabat behind him, or a Casemiro and whoever behind him. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. But then you you go back to the fact that they've got so many injuries at the back. You've got Lindelof starting at left back, Maguire and Johnny Evans starting at centre back. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you know to do, but I, they won one game narrowly. Uh, and let's see if they can do it again against. I think it's Sheffield in two weeks' time. So let's have a look. Is it Sheffield? I yeah, it's like, Sheffield. Yeah. A Bramble line, and they are desperate for a win as well. So they've got the Manchester derby after that. Yeah. That will be interesting. That, that could be a massacre. If Rod, yeah, because Rodri will be back. Yeah. yeah. Then again, it could, it could not be. Who knows? Um, the last thing I'll say back to the Champions League quickly is the way United have played against Bayern and Galatasaray, I would not be surprised if they went to Copenhagen and lost. Mm. Yeah. Like, I know we keep being like, oh, but you know, this is one of those games where United could pull out a result where it's like, nah, away from home where they're woeful against a Copenhagen team that, that, that looked very good away at Galatasaray and then pushed Bayern all the way to only narrowly lose 2 1. Yeah. They look a very decent side. Yeah, no. I think I think most people would expect Manchester United to go there and struggle at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh finally, to another English team that struggled in Europe. Jeez, my I just quietly my segues have been amazing this episode. Mm. <laughs> uh very good. Uh Arsenal <laughs> lose to Lons um away again at see I watching that game I was like the atmosphere at this stadium is 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 intense. Seems to be a very uh tough stadium to play for any team to play at. But uh, we lose to a team whose, um, according to Google, whose city population is less than the capacity of their stadium. Crazy. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That, obviously, yeah, another example of an excellent atmosphere um, kind of proving the difference. Um, obviously, some very good goals in there as well, Ooh, especially yeah. the first one. Um, but yeah, it's one that, yeah, I think quite rightly, most Arsenal fans didn't seem overly phased about well, it. At least you. It, 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 yeah, I wasn't overly phased about it because I, I was of the thought that, yes, this is... We didn't play very well. We didn't create that many opportunities. And we conceded more than just the two chances they scored off. Yeah. But I'm also thinking this is our first champions league away day in seven years like this is not going to be an easy game every champions league away day is is hard no matter who you're playing against because they're teams that have been good enough to get into the 32 teams that play in the champions league yeah yeah Mm. you know what i mean even if they're struggling this year in the french league yeah yeah and they finished second in the french league last year so even if they had been struggling to start this year they're no pushover yeah um and yes i want i want arsenal to be much more creative because uh, if we're going to get out of the group we're going to need to be but I expect we will be it's like Declan Rice said it after the game he's like this is a we're still building we're still learning in this competition and yeah exactly it's the Champions League debut uh, in that first game against uh, PSV is a Champions League debut for so many players you know mm. you don't just have a great debut and then it's just all rosy from there so yeah I'm not overly phased by that one but it needs to obviously needs to improve but yeah yeah, it's learning how to play in the Champions League and also learning how to balance being, you know, knowing that you should be pushing for the title in the Premier League and then playing midweek like a 
equally if not more important game mm. which is not an easy thing for a young group of players yeah and also it was the first sign which led to him missing the city game uh, mm. of Saka's wear and tear starting to show which I think it, I think it means that there there will be a move made for a right winger in January. Yeah. Because the way that Fabio Vieira is just a non-existent factor. Oh yeah, that's right. He came he, on wasn't when he, he comes he was, on. Yeah. And Mikel Arteta refuses to play uh, Reese Nelson or anyone that isn't named Gabriel Jesus on the right wing, and Jesus would obviously much rather play up top, and we'd much rather him playing up top. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I've I've seen the rumor mill start about Pedro Neto to Arsenal again. In, in January so it'd be interesting to see if that comes to fruition but mm. yeah Saka can't play with the same level of workload that um, he he did last season and I think it's the it's and the, should any like yeah should any player really be any young player be yeah. able to do what Arteta has asked of him but yeah. not really but I think also think it comes back to something that uh, I heard recently which is um, that loads of young players are playing so many minutes of football before they're 20, 21, 22. Yeah. And that's just going to mean they break down later in their careers. Yeah. Because if you think, I think it was the, I think it was, I think Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard were the examples. And they played 3,000 minutes before their 21st birthday. Or 4,000 minutes before their 21st birthday. Jude Bellingham's played 15,000 minutes and Saka's played in the realm of 10,000. Yeah. Now, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does speak to, yeah, the... um. Yeah, obviously that's not good in terms of whatever later in the career, but yeah, it's it's crazy the maturity of 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 Saka. It's very impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. But I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know who you get to deputize him, but someone good, <laughs> hopefully. But uh, yes, as there is an international break, I guess we can do one quick prediction for the England versus Socceroos game before we sign uh, off. Who are you going for? <laughs> England. Who are you going for? Uh, probably England. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I care even less. I don't. Okay, no, I do care about the Matildas, but I don't really care about the Socceroos that mm. much. I they, I know like four of their players. Yeah. 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 But yeah, uh, so I'm gonna go England three one. Yeah. No. If, yeah, three one. Australia might get a goal. See Harry Sutar shutting down Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. Harry Sutar and Harry Maguire at set pieces. That's what I want to watch. Yeah, true. Slabhead from down under. Um, yeah. yeah, probably, I don't know, 3 0. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll, that'll be us for another weekend. As always, if you've liked what you heard, follow us. Five star rating, 40 yard, the 40 yard switch on Spotify. Follow us, Instagram, 40yardswitch.pod. Follow us on Twitter, 40 pod or one word. Uh, and yeah, he's been Wilbur. I've been Woody. We'll see you. What did you What did right. you call yourself again at the start of the thing? Uh, Woodsock. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Jasper Woodsock, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>